We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Bolt fam? As fans of Justin Herbert, you know we have a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Unfortunately, for some other AFC West teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, their quarterbacks have little chicken wings for arms. Chargers fans, they don't have to worry about those chicken wings. The only chicken wings we associate with are the ones from Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Head there to watch the next Chargers game and use the promo code GUILTY to get 10% off your meal. Go get some bomb food and watch Asante Samuel Jr. pick off another pass. Again, that's guilty for 10% off. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I'm your host. Got a special treat today for you as we preview the upcoming matchup with the Cleveland Browns. And joining me to help me with that goal is my, is our good friend Henry Edinger, who is the content manager for the Blue Hour Podcast Network, as you've heard many times before. And he's also the host of the Rebuild Podcast, focusing in on the Cleveland Browns. Henry, thanks for taking the time to join me, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Really excited for this uh, this matchup. It should be a fun one. You guys have a couple uh, Northwestern guys, too. So I've been following the Chargers more closely than usual as a Northwestern <laughs> alum. And then, you know, this obviously should be a, a pretty fun matchup as well between the Chargers and Browns. Yeah, if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know that we had Henry on to talk about Rashawn Slater. Uh, and man, how, how great has that looked so far? And, uh, you know, I can't wait to dive into this matchup that he's going to have uh, with Miles Garrett in this one. But before we dive into this matchup, got to give a shout out to our guys over at the Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports who is the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast down there in the Inland Empire. So please go check them out. Uh, at your next visit, if you use the code GUILTY, you get 10% off your first order. So please go check out Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports. All right, Henry, let's dive into this matchup. I think the place that I always like to start is the quarterbacks, of course. Um, you know, this is a matchup that, you know, I think initially would have generated a lot of buzz in terms of quarterback play. I know that Baker has had some kind of struggles recently. How's he looked so far this year? And is the lack of statistical success for for the Browns kind of a worry among Browns fans right now? Or is it just kind of, you know, the lay of the land? Like, how how's the, the status on Baker Mayfield these days? Well, it's been a, a much bigger worry after this Sunday against the Vikings, Stephen, because Baker really through the first couple games was – Playing pretty well. He really continued the form he showed at the end of last year. Yeah, he was one of the highest graded quarterbacks 
uh, among multiple different lo- locations, PFF and some others, over the last eight games last year. And against the Chiefs, he was great. He got banged up in the Texans game, but then he came back, was 10 for 10 in that game. And mm. frankly, the Browns just weren't asking a lot of him against the Texans and the Bears because right. – they were in control of both of those games for the majority of the second half. And then Sunday came. And against the Vikings, he was arguably the worst quarterback in the league. Last weekend, he missed five or six throws that, frankly, would have been touchdowns against the Vikings. The fact that the Browns only had 14 points was pretty criminal. And the Browns really won in spite of how Baker played. So I would say through the first three games, there was really – not much concern uh, among the fan base about how Baker had been, even though the, the statistical production wasn't there. But then after Sunday, it's a lot of questioning uh, about Baker Mayfield. Is he you know, still feeling the effects from that injury two weeks ago? Is he just not playing well? Is it something about Odo Beckham Jr.? Because he's returned to the lineup and that's kind of coincided with Baker not playing well. So, yeah, all of a sudden there is a, uh, a lot of unrest in Cleveland. It's such a weird dynamic, right? Because last year, like you have Odell, you have Jarvis, and you have all these weapons, and the offense just kind of gets to a slow, off to a slow start. And then Odell gets injured, and then it's like, oh, the offense is really good now. So is there something to like the Baker and the Browns offense being better without him? Or like, where are you at with Odell and his relationship with Baker these days? I am not one that, that has you know, that is of the mindset that the Browns are worse with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. I just find it hard to get to that place. Right. I think a lot of what happened last season was just Kevin Stefanski and the Browns figuring out how they wanted this offense to run through the last half of the season. And yes, that coincided with OBJ going down, but I don't think the two were necessarily related. And so that's why I think kind of those like on-off numbers you see with Baker and, and, and OBJ, the, the contrast there are so stark. I think it was just Baker and Stefanski got on the same page the second half of the season. I still don't think Baker is forcing the ball to Odell a whole lot. I can tell you my co-host, Jordan Climack, on the rebuild disagrees with me on that. So, yeah, I am of the mindset that Odell's looked great since he came back, and I don't think he's the problem. Again, for the second season in a row, I'm talking it up to mostly coincidence. Now, Browns Nation is definitely split on that. As I said, my podcast is split on that as a whole. But to me, it was that Baker Mayfield was not only missing OBJ last weekend, where a couple of those touchdown throws should have been to him, but they also, there was one with Kareem Hunt wide open in the end zone. There was one to Harrison Bryant. So to me, it just just so happened that OBJ was involved sometime. Right, right. It's uh, I think there's this narrative among the national media that like, oh, Baker's so much better without Odell. And it's like, no, you don't get better by subtracting work better. Like you don't get better by subtracting great players off of your team. That's not how the sport works. Um, so it's just kind of like frustrating. You know, as a casual fan, you know, Odell is someone that I think is really fun to root for. And I think the Browns are definitely better and definitely have a higher ceiling with Odell healthy and playing well. Obviously, Jarvis Landry not going to play in this game. Who has kind of stepped up in his absence to help out Baker and Odell in the passing game? Well, it's funny. The Browns have a rookie in Anthony Schwartz that a lot of people were excited about. Donovan Peoples-Jones was another receiver in camp that that had a lot of buzz. Hmm. But the reality is the Browns haven't gotten a lot out of the receivers with or without Jarvis Landry. And so really where Baker's turn to is the tight ends. 
He okay. uses all three uh, of the Browns' tight ends a lot. Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, Austin Hooper. None of them put up eye-popping numbers because they're all on the field fairly frequently. But yeah. that's really where it is. And then a- another guy to watch out for is this guy named Demetra Felton, who's a rookie sixth-round pick out of UCLA. And he's kind of a running back wide receiver hybrid. He also has – he has a touchdown in, on the season but should have two more where Baker's missed him. But he's become a real matchup problem as well. But, you know, Odell's obviously worked back in, you know, even so. I think part of the – you know, going back to the last question a little bit, it part of the reason uh, I don't think Baker and Odell, uh, you know, fit perfectly is just Baker's more comfortable throwing to tight ends in the middle of the field anyway – and I think that's why he likes Jarvis Landry so much too, is Jarvis, you know, works out of the slot in, into the middle of the field as well. So he's really turned to the tight end so far. And, and then of course the Browns have leaned on, on their two headed monster in the backfield as usual. Yeah. So good, man. It, it's, it really is going to be an interesting matchup this week because, you know, Brandon Staley's defense is really designed to limit the passing game. But this week it's, it's all about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, in my opinion, uh, do you think, I, I think this, but do you think that they are the best running back duo in the league? Yeah. And I, and frankly, I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, and I think that honestly has more to do with, with Kareem Hunt and the way he's played this season. He's been you know, arguably as good as Nick Chubb so far. And that's not because Nick Chubb's level has dropped. Kareem Hunt's just been an absolute monster uh, right. starting in week one in Kansas city. And then these last two weeks, now, the Browns will often rotate drives between Hunt and Chubb. And these last two weeks, Kareem Hunt came in as part of a 15-play drive and an 18-play drive where he basically was the Browns' running game and passing game in both situations where it was screens to him out of the backfield, it was runs to him. And teams just haven't had an answer for what the Browns do on the ground. I mean, really for the last two years, but the combination, you know, Chubb and Hunt – they, they complement each other pretty well, which is part of it, where, where Hunt is a really good receiver out of the backfield. So, yeah, I, I do think they're they're pretty far and away the best duo uh, once you throw in Hunt there. Yeah, I would say that Zeke and Tony Pollard are probably the only ones that are close there, you know, just off the top of my head. But those guys are, are so good. And, of course, it helps that they have arguably the best offensive line in the sport. I know it's early. We're recording this on Wednesday. There's been no injury report. But I know Jedrick Wills is banged up a little bit. Um, that obviously would have some major implications in this game. What can you tell us, A, about his health, and B, how the offensive line is looking in kind of, you know, year three, essentially, of this group being together? Well, he, he's really the the one person that's been newsworthy. He's had an ankle injury for the last couple weeks, and I suspect he's going to play in, in this one because he's played the last two weeks, and he has looked like a shell of himself, to be honest. I, I mean, he was probably the weakest of the five-man group last year, but they were, you know, the best offensive line in the league last year. And I think across the other four positions are right up there again. But since he hurt his ankle in week one, he has looked really, really limited. And it's been a problem for the Browns, especially in pass protection, which will, of course, uh, you know, be key uh, against Joey Bosa because, yeah. you know, Jed Wills, he just, he hasn't been able to move. And part of the problem is they don't have another option because his backup, Chris Hubbard, came in for Jed Wills and, and got hurt. So oh, wow. they, they really, you know, they, they've got some guards that they've tried to kick out to tackle. They even turned to a rookie in, in James Hudson last week for a couple plays, and it was a disaster. He had a huge false start in a big moment. So 
they're basically just rolling Jed Wills out there. And, and there's a big debate among Browns fans of like, hey, should you just sit him down and, and deal yeah. with the consequences for a couple of weeks? Because it looks bad. Uh, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. He's just not the same player he was last season. I mean, obviously a little bit different, you know, given their age, but the Chargers are going through that same kind of thing with Brian Bulaga. They did decide to sit him down. They put him on injured reserve. And so the right tackle situation is not pretty right now, which, uh, you know, is definitely another major storyline. Um, and, and, you know, let's get to that pass rush now for the Browns, because obviously everybody knows about Miles Garrett and the way that he is producing right now is absolutely insane. But Jadavion Clowney has been producing a lot as well. So um, what can you tell our listeners about the status of the Browns pass rush these days? It's been the identity of this team on the defensive side of the football, and especially these last two weeks. It, a lot was made of the nine sacks that the Browns had on, on Justin Fields two weeks ago, and deservedly so. But last weekend, the, the Browns defensive line tortured Kirk Cousins in a similar way. He just got rid of the ball instead of taking quite so many sacks, which Justin yeah. Fields will one day hopefully learn. Right. But it, it's really been a, a surprise to me in terms of not only Garrett, but number one, Clowney's been great, especially these last couple weeks. He's one of the, the league leaders in terms of pressure rate as well. And then the Browns interior line has been much, much better than expected. That was, you know, they moved on from Sheldon Richardson. It was thought to be a potential hole in this team, but they brought in a veteran in Malik Jackson, who's played reasonably well. And then the real surprise has been this undrafted uh, free agent named Malik McDowell, who had some personal issues off the field. The Browns took a chance on him. He won the job uh, over Andrew Billings, who was expected to be the starter. And since he's come in, he has played fantastic through these first yeah. four games. He's been probably the biggest surprise on the, on the team so far. And so it's a four headed monster, you know, really they've had a lot of meetings at the quarterback these last two weeks in particular. Yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be an interesting one for the Chargers. I think the Chargers, like I said, similar situation. I feel really good about the four starters left to right guard, but that right tackle spot is, has been a concern for us. Um, I know that there was a lot of moving parts on the Browns defense as a whole, particularly, you know, drafting Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, bringing in John Johnson, Troy Hill. Um, how has the back seven of the Browns kind of started to gel recently? Well, it, la the last two weeks, it, it's been a lot better. In particular, last week, I think, against the Vikings. Because the Bears, look, you know, they, yes, they have Allen Robinson, who's you know, a great player. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have anybody to throw him the football. So the Browns yeah, have held up pretty well in that game. But it didn't really count the same. But against the Vikings, they looked really, really solid. And part of it is I think the Browns got a little lucky that they should have been playing Jeremiah Usakoromoa more. They should have been playing Grant Delpit more and injuries to veterans actually forced both of those guys into the lineup. And okay. they've just added a lot more speed uh, to the back end. You know, they brought in John Johnson from the Rams and Troy Hill, like you mentioned to Brandon Staley guys, Joe Woods runs a very similar system, which is why the Browns brought those guys in and they've lived up to, to what we expected from them. But the surprises have been JOK and Grant Delpit as rookies ha have complemented those guys really nicely as well. So it's going to be an even bigger test, you know, uh, against this Chargers team. And I think one of the interesting things about the Chargers is you guys have some size. And that historically yeah. has given the Browns corners a lot of trouble. In particular, Denzel Ward, who, as good as he is, has struggled against some big receivers. Chase Claypool 
gave him fits twice last year. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'll be, uh, you know, one of the big keys is how do those guys on, on the outside, you know, Ward might be the guy you feel best about usually as a Browns fan, but I think he's in for a tough, tough matchup this week against the Chargers. Yeah, I'm excited to see the adjustment from Joe Lombardi and company this week because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen had 47 yards against the Raiders. Uh, and I don't think that's going to be happening again. You know, I think that, you know, Lombardi has kind of made a point like, okay, one week, you know, Jared Cook had like two catches against uh, the Chiefs. So then last week it was like, okay, we're going to go to Jared Cook quite often. Uh, and so I think we probably see a similar game plan this week with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I, I would think so. Uh, you know, the uh, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams uh, scare me a lot as somebody <laughs> that, that is going to be rooting for the Browns in this game. I just, again, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. And, and even those bigger tight ends, I think that'll be interesting too, because we really haven't faced a, a tight end yet that, that would scare you a lot outside of Travis Kelsey. And, and Kelsey carved yeah. the Browns up in, in week one. The stats might not show it, but basically – Anytime the Browns decided to leave Kelsey in one-on-one coverage, it was a disaster. So they're playing a lot of different players since week one, like I mentioned, but uh, we, we still don't know how those guys are going to hold up for versus tight ends like that. Yeah, interesting one for sure. I think another really cool aspect in this game is that you have Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Staley, who are two of the most aggressive coaches right now in terms of you know situational football and going for it on fourth down. Um, obviously the Chargers have had a lot of success, you know, this year, you know, going for it on fourth down. How have the Browns been doing in that regard of, of football and situation of football right now? And not, not as good as last year. And part <laughs> of uh, part of it is exactly what I mentioned earlier with Jed Wills is I think he's given up three sacks on, on fourth down where they've left him in one-on-one pass rough situations and he's gotten smoked. I, I mean, sacks that were, the quarterback had no no chance. So Kevin Stefanski is seemingly undisturbed by that. Uh, you know, they went for it twice against the Vikings. One of those was a Jed Will sack. The other one was a conversion that led to a Browns touchdown. So he, he comes from the new school that, that Brandon Staley does. And my co-host Jordan phrased it as, they play the game like I play Madden, where, <laughs> hey, it's fourth and four, it's fourth and seven. It doesn't matter that I have a kicker. We're going for it. Yeah, it was. It, it's been so much fun to watch, right? Because Anthony Lynn like never went for it on fourth down unless it was like fourth and one, and you know, like there was no chance you could kick a field goal. So it, it's been a you know a breath of fresh air to watch Brandon Staley work. Um, before we get your thoughts, kind of overall on this matchup, I want to get your thoughts as well on the AFC North as a whole. Um, I think it's a really interesting division, very similar to the Chargers. You've got two, three teams that could realistically you know challenge for the division, challenge for a playoff spot. Obviously, the Steelers are not in a great situation with Big Ben. How do you view the Browns in the AFC North hierarchy, and, and where do they kind of fit in You know, long-term, do you think? I think they're number one, and I, I've never had that much confidence about the Browns standing in the AFC North ever. Uh, right. I think usually I'm pretty you know, even-keeled. Uh, a lot of times I, I get a lot of uh, comments that I'm too pessimistic about the team, but for once – I am not a believer in any of the other teams in the AFC North in at all the same way that I would be of the teams in the AFC West. I think you guys have a lot more challenges to deal with because yes, the Bengals are three and one, but the Bengals are not a three and one football team in terms of the caliber. They've gotten some luck. They've gotten some good opponents so far. 
uh, as well. I think that team's going to come back down to earth. Uh, you know, I don't trust their offensive line in particular or their head coach for that matter. I think the Steelers are an absolute disaster, and that brings a smile to my face as a Browns fan because that's <laughs> never the case. Uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's really just, you know, it is Big Ben, but it's also the offensive line. And that was what I was hammering ahead of the season. You know, when Steelers, you know, people were coming at me, is I was just like, hey, guys, like you guys do not have a good offensive line. And that's an issue, yeah. too. And I have all the respect in the world for the Ravens. What the Ravens are doing right now, given their injury situation, is frankly almost under-discussed, even though people are still, you know, giving yeah. them some credit. Their, their institutional stability is great. They do have talent still there, but they're a couple injuries away from being in a critical situation as a roster. And I think they also have gotten a little bit lucky too, in terms of, look, they should have lost that game to Detroit. They hit a 66 yard field goal to win, which was incredible, but you played the odds there. They should have lost that they game. Lost, and yeah. then Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out last week. So yes, it was a, a dominating performance, but I, I was just saying on my podcast the other day that, you know, I was looking at the Browns schedule ahead of the season and I thought this might be an easier stretch where I was like Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Patriots. And now I'm like, well, those teams are all performing at a high level right now. And I was like, I'm actually less scared of the divisional teams, which I feel like I can never say. So yeah. that part makes me uh, excited is that there's six games still to go where I, I'm feeling pretty good about the Browns chances. It's been a, a weird flip recently between the Browns and the Steelers in terms of like smart franchise building. Like you look at what the Steelers didn't do this offseason, you know, or did do rather, whatever side of the coin you want to talk about. Their decision making was questionable, and you know you have this bad offensive line, you have a bad quarterback, and you take a running back and a tight end with the first two picks in the draft. They're playing a ton, but you know it's just been weird to see up there in Pittsburgh. I. I don't get it. I mean, year after year, we talk about teams, you know, and the offensive line. And that's why I thought, you know, the Chargers were going to live up to the hype, right? Like the Browns were a hyped up team two years ago, and they had the worst left tackle and right tackle in the league. And I was like, what are people looking at? Like the Browns are not going to be able to block. And it's the same thing with the Steelers this year. I'm like, what are people looking at? They can't block anybody. So how is this offense going to function even if Big Ben can push it down the field, which it turns out. everything's you know a dump off to Najee Harris at the end of it and and the Chargers on the flip side I mean you guys are seeing you know what happens when you upgrade an offensive line it, it solves a lot of your problems uh, especially when you've got somebody like Justin Herbert slinging it back there yeah I was uh, I was on a, another Browns podcast the other day and you know we were talking about like the quarterback situation in Cleveland and how you know it's been a struggle to get to Baker Mayfield and it's a similar struggle for us in the offensive line in, in the Chargersville right like it's been a very long time since we've been able to trust an offensive line like they have right now. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, so you mentioned the receiving, you know, the receiving core of the Chargers is something that you're kind of keeping an eye on this game. Uh, what else are, in terms of the Chargers, are you potentially, you know, worried about or focusing on as you get ready for this matchup? Justin Herbert's mobility scares me for sure. Uh, just because when the Browns, not even guys that scramble a lot, but as you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, manipulates the pocket very well. Tyrod Taylor, you know, manipulates the pocket very well. The Browns struggled to contain those guys. A lot of broken plays went for big yards against the Browns in, the, in, that, in those games. So my worry is 
even if Jadavion Clowney, you know, is winning the matchup against, you know, who's ever at right tackle for you guys this week, even if those guys are getting pressure, is that ultimately it's not going to matter. And as I said, the, uh, the this wide receivers versus the corners on the outside scare me a little bit. I don't even think Greg Newsom, the Browns' number two corner, is going to play in this game. I think it'll be Greedy oh, Williams wow. for the second week in a row. Newsom's n- nursing a calf injury. He didn't practice again today. We'll see. But he didn't play last week. And, and so, yeah, Herbert's mobility scares me. And then on the flip side of the ball, I think it'll all come down to the, the Browns' run game versus the Chargers. Yeah, that to me is is really kind of the big story of the day, if you will. Um, all right, I don't know if you're into predictions, but I, I always like to ask the, the guests on the show to make predictions of uh, of the final score. So what do you think of this ends up being on Sunday? Yeah, to be honest, I as I as I entered the week, I was thinking that I was going to be picking the Chargers here. But as I look at the matchups, I'm actually feeling a little bit better about the Browns. In particular, okay. for that last reason I mentioned is I'm pretty confident the Browns are going to be able to move the ball on the ground. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, just – Given the way Brandon Staley defenses have played, you know, in that style of defense, that when they've run up against Cleveland, teams have not been able to deal with the, the ground game. So I am feeling confident about the Browns. I, you know, Justin Herbert is clearly an advantage over Baker Mayfield right now at the quarterback position. So that's the one thing that gives me pause. Is if Baker plays like he did last week, the Browns, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the roster is. And I think it might very well be the best roster in the league. But it's not going to matter if he plays like that. So I'm going to say that Baker's going to bounce back, and I'll take the Browns by field goal in a slightly lower-scoring game than I'm guessing the rest of the world will be predicting. And so I'll say 24-21 Cleveland. But, uh, I, you know, Justin Herbert's been special. So I'm, I, I'm mildly more confident, I should say, but uh, in the Browns than I was thinking ahead of this game. But they, they have a disadvantage right now at quarterback, and that's never easy to overcome. Yeah, it's it it's a very similar feeling when I look at the the Browns as you know the the Niners roster that made the Super Bowl run is that they're really really good and talented everywhere else, and it's just the quarterback. If they were just had like a little more playmaking, then you know they'd be a really good team. So I think they are still a really good team, but I think they could be a potential Super Bowl winner if they had just a little bit more um, at quarterback. And for what it's worth, I do think that this is going to be a low scoring game. You know, I think the, the run defense, the run defense for the Chargers, is definitely my biggest concern. Um, so we'll, we'll get to my prediction on our show later. I don't want to spoil that for our listeners, but I do agree that it is, it is going to be a lower scoring game. So Henry, this has been great, man. Where can uh, our listeners find you guys this week, and what do you have coming up on your pod? Yeah, they can find me, you know, on Twitter at Henry underscore Ettinger if they're trying to get any, you know, Browns news or, or commentary ahead of this one, and then on the podcast. Uh, and we just talked about, you know, Baker Mayfield and his struggles and what the Browns should be concerned about. And then we'll be having you to uh, preview Browns Chargers on that podcast as well. So get into some more uh, things from our perspective. Pick your brain about the the Brandon Staley uh, defense and all of that. So uh, plenty more, you know, Browns content also always on that feed. But that'll be the next couple things going on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this matchup. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us, man. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. Thank you. for Thanks for your time again. Thanks for having me. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 